0: The, the that's kind of the boundary where you better tighten up. They're tearing that building down. More, that's more
1: remarkable sounds from the Mid-America Trucking Show there. From the scene Wednesday amid the polishing and cleaning There's always non-stop for PKY Truck Beauty Show participants ahead of judging. Even more so this year as dust filtered down from the nearby demolition of the upper reaches of the old Louisville Cardinal Stadium, the sound you heard there. But not the only one, of course. Welcome to the Overdrive Radio Podcast for Friday, April 26th of this year, 2019. I'm Todd Dills, and the voice you heard, also heard, rather, at the top, regular listeners will recognize. It's that of Harrison, Arkansas-based owner-operator Daniel Snow who with his wife and business partner, Phyllis, took the time at Matt's to run through a portion of his custom truck and trailer that you could think of as of a piece with Overdrive's ongoing Highway Hacks series of feature briefs detailing owner-op's solutions to business problems. If you don't recognize Snow's voice, the Snow's rig I'm certain a lot of you will recognize and remember. Christened the Goose, it's a 1996 Freightliner FLD with 140 inches worth of a custom-redesigned ICT sleeper that the snows located and outfitted themselves for the comforts of home on the road about seven years ago. Another project undertaken around the same time is a four-foot storage compartment they built into the front of their dry van trailer. Accessible from the tractor's deck uh, catwalk via a door assembly, it's built to house tools and other supplies. From the first time I saw it, the Guilty by Association truck show in Joplin last year, it certainly struck me as a modification with scads of potential for emulation by any single trailer owner out there with mechanical expertise and, like the snows, plenty of time spent on the road away from the comfort of home and the established relationships with diesel shops you know well. Later in the podcast, too, a couple conversations with liquid bulk tank owner ops Mike Landis and JD Howard, both of whom will be featured in more detail. In the main issue of overdrive. First up, here's Daniel Snow talking about the origins of the idea to modify the 53-foot drive in they pull, working mostly with brokers for freight.
0: Okay. Well, we we found this sleeper in a salvage yard. Right. Okay, it was totally unlivable, so we knew uh, we had the company that had painted the tractor pick it up and paint it. Okay. So we knew we had to have a place to put our living stuff. So we blocked off four foot of the front of the trailer and we ran for about six weeks, no door, just the partition wall to make sure it wasn't gonna mess up our loads. And uh, because, you know, if you're not hauling freight, you're not getting paid nothing. No. So that was the beginning. Our, our, our first idea was big boxes underneath to put our living stuff in we're like wow we're gonna have to get out of the truck get our clothes out of the and then you know go in a truck stop take a shower and so we said okay everybody overloads the front of the trailer anyway and most of the 53 foot trailers have a 48 foot line in them and they say don't load any freight behind this line so we reversed that since this trailer was a spread axle we said less. Partition this off and make a room here and see. Well, we ran about six, eight weeks. Uh, it didn't didn't affect us much. So we found this the door unit at a camping world, and uh, purchased it, uh, and then Hammond, Louisiana, and then so we cut the door, put it in. As we got the sleeper remod- uh, remodeled, we moved our living stuff forward and we just made a shop room out of that and it's it serves us so well I would hate to be without it it would it would have to be very drastic measures that the freight wouldn't let me right. let us have that because it it is you know we keep a lot of tools this is an old truck yeah. and 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 you've got to have some tools you've got to have a few parts you know you need to be uh, to keep it in good mechanical so we kept the room and converted it into a small maintenance.
1: Is it still four feet?
0: Yes, it's yeah. still four feet. Yeah. And you know, it's not that uh, most truckers, I mean, we're, we're owner operators, so we have to, we don't have somebody to fall back on. If we break down, we have to get out there and figure out what's broke down and get underneath there and fix it, no matter where you're at. Yeah, so. a lot of times we just have to, you know, it may be raining, it may be hot, it may be cold. But if we can, if it's something we can fix ourselves, we do yeah. because shop, the shop uh, fees are so high. And unfortunately you get taken advantage of some because if you're broke down and you're a thousand miles from home, the, the, and, and with, this thing, with this thought in mind, I would urge anyone to use a very reputable shop because there's a lot of scams out there, a lot of people that take shortcuts. So some people say, well, I'll never use a dealer. But if you, at least if you use a dealer and you get 500, 1,000 miles away and something goes wrong, well, another dealer will back it up. So we're not against the dealers. We just try to get, uh, we just try to fix whatever we can ourselves.
1: That reminds me a bit of Landstar leased owner-operator Gary Buck's story several weeks back about a broken leaf spring he incurred during snowy conditions in Michigan. His ultimate choice of shop for the repair far from his Illinois home, Kalamazoo Freightliner. Some of the dealer's insights on making for a smooth service call, with the truck in and out in as quick a time as possible, are, I imagine, helpful to almost anyone. Search, lessons from the pothole that swallowed my truck on overdriveonline.com to find, book story. I asked the Snows what they spent, ultimately, on their four-foot tool storage compartment at the front of the drive-in. Here's Daniel laying out those costs for the job.
0: Extremely minimal. Okay. Uh, we used uh, logistics load bars for the framing of the walls, okay. uh, which we found in a dumpster. A lot of people leave them laying around as shippers and they throw them away. Yeah. So they all come out of a dumpster. Uh, the two befores in it came out of a load of shopping carts that we hauled over to Wilmington, North Carolina, and they left all the two befores in there. So we made the shelving, and here, either here or at Dallas, one, we spun the wheel at some place and got a $50 gift card for Home Depot, and we bought the plywood with that $50. Okay, so all of that was basically, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Picking up here equity, right? yeah. The door, the door set is a little bit expensive. That door set was like seven hundred dollars. Okay. But uh, we walked into this camping world, and you know we were still debating on whether we, what you know, I mean we had the wall in, and we were thinking, okay, this is going to work. We walked into this camping world in Hammond, Louisiana, and this door sitting over in the corner, dust covered, and. Uh, so I asked the gentleman, I said, you know, what you do with this door, is it for sale? And he said, well, yeah. He said, someone ordered that about two years ago and never came back and got it. And I said, so is it for sale? And he said, yeah, we need to sell it back because we paid for it, you know I mean? They had to put down a little deposit, but it was, it was very small. And uh, so we wound up buying that door for $200. So if you count all the way down to the screws that this room is put together with, Door shelves, everything, we've got less than $300 in the whole deal. Right. And a toolbox, uh, probably one-fifth the size, we priced was 2800 to go underneath. And it catches the wind, the blocks of fuel, this, this don't, you know, other than what we do, we're independent, so we book our loads by pallet count, our yeah. cubic feet, and weight, of course. But if they will give us an accurate count of pallet count on uh, or cubic feet, then we'll know if it'll fit.
1: Yeah. It hasn't given you any trouble in that Very regard. Very seldom. Yeah. Uh,
0: you know, in the, in the six or s- six or seven years that door's been there, I forgot now, probably six, uh, no seven, because we put it in there at the same time as sleep. about seven years, okay. we've probably been rejected maybe four times, okay. and two of them was the same day. Well, one of them was because they they didn't even, I mean, it would fit. Yeah, that was but one of yeah, those. They, they measured it and, came and said it, it's only forty. 48 so they foot. We only load 53 foot trailers and we're like, but your load's 20 pallets, it'll fit and have 10 foot to right. go. I said, that, that don't matter, it's against our rules. Okay. So silliness like that, there's no pill for stupid, you know. <laughs> So, so you ain't gonna get around that.
1: What, what kind of weight uh, does it add? Um, I mean, these, it all depends on how much stuff you got in there. Exactly.
0: Yeah. We, our, our empty weight is a uh, uh, forty-two, forty-two-five. Uh, now we have had it up over forty-three because you know if we're going to a truck show and we have extra stuff and and we do keep an, uh, an extra tank for water in there and. Those things you can reduce those if you need to. Uh, the benefit to all that, or the what makes that possible, is, is the tag axle on the tractor. Because with this scenario here, with the with the two drive axles and the and the small-tired tag axle, we're legal for 42.5. So if we get a little heavy on the front, we can run the tag down, and that makes now we can put a bigger tire and go up higher. Okay. But, uh, now that don't mean you can be over 80,000 in some states. Right. And some states we can be. Uh, typically you have to be very careful with that when you get east of the Mississippi River. Uh, the the That's kind of the boundary where you better tighten up.
1: Another little listen there to the crashing sounds of the top outer walls of the old Cardinal Stadium overlooking the truck show lot at Matt's, as it were. For more coverage of the uh, Daniel and Phil Snow 140 inch well appointed sleeper on their 1996 Freightliner, affectionately known as the Goose, of course, search that name at overdriveonline.com. In the May issue, keep an eye out for a feature for each profiling three different owner operator businesses united by a common trailer type liquid bulk tanker. If all in different freight niches with their own peculiarities when it comes to load and unload equipment and processes, earning potential, and much more, of course. One of those operators is Mike Landis, who pulls an in, as an independent with authority in a contract with a food-grade tank fleet nearby to his hometown in Lidditz, Pennsylvania. Regular readers may well recall Landis from his involvement in the October 2017 ELD mandate protests and his involvement as one of the drivers who formed and continues to advocate through the United States Transportation Alliance, making somewhat regular trips to D.C. to be a voice in the ear of Congress and regulators. I found him in the Papa John's truck parking lot out by the new Cardinals Stadium a day ahead of the show, uh, busy building the USTA booth. We talked Tanker and his business, earning potential, and more. Here he is with a direct intro in his own voice.
2: Yep, uh, so my name's Mike Landis. I own Landis & Sons Trucking out of Littes, Pennsylvania. Um, And I do a lot of uh, food-grade liquid transportation. You know, I I have my company, Uh, it's just me with one truck and uh, I, I pull for a local company at home that's in the food grade transportation industry. I pull their trailers, um, still run under my authority. They're just basically like my customer. Sure. Um, so I pull their trailers and it's a wide variety of anything non-hazardous really is what, what we haul. Uh, a lot of liquid sugars, corn syrups, chocolates, oils, cocoa butters, liquid yeast. Some pharmaceutical stuff and stuff like that. You know, whole different array of things.
1: How did you come to this? You know, how did you get into tank with them? I
2: pulled milk tanker when I was just starting out, so I knew what pulling a tank was about. I always enjoyed it for some reason. I really don't know why. Um, And I was running my reefer, running LTL to New England. I'd leave on Sunday and I'd get back usually Tuesday night or Wednesday morning. And uh, I knew a couple other guys, uh, friends of mine that were, you know, helping these guys out. So I went down and talked to them to try and fill my week up. And uh, kind of got into helping them out at the end of the week. And then that led into them asking me if I would be interested in doing it all the time for them. Sure. And uh, kind of snowballed from there. So I got rid of the reefer. and. This has been going pretty good for me. Is
1: this a is company a carrier as well? They have their own trucks? Yeah,
2: oh yeah, they have, they run about uh, 250 of their own tractors. I don't really have a written agreement with them over anything. Oh, okay. We just have, they yeah. have my insurance and stuff like that, and um, they have the rates on the loads, and uh, you know, it's all, all their work uh, through, you know, the various companies that they do the work for, okay. um, and then uh, they just basically, call me and they ask me will you take this here yep okay and then you go there and then you bring something somewhere else and and they almost dispatch me as if I was one of their trucks um because it's it's worked out well enough for me where like I said I ended up selling my reefer and stuff and it's all I do really right now so I just kind of tell them whatever you need me to do I, I don't I've got to know them well enough where I don't worry too much about having to know what you, everything. Well, I know pretty much at this point what everything pays that I haul for them. But uh, uh, I trust them well enough that I make I make the money I need to make.
1: Right. I, I've heard that um, you know in some other operations that uh, tank guys that uh, they kind of outloaded and emptied back is kind of a, a common. Uh, sort of thing like uh, are you are you working with other companies to keep the truck loaded more or or is that common in what you're doing or not
2: right now i'm kind of doing the same thing almost every week where i run out of new york city out to ohio and then um, either go out to indiana and run back into columbus a couple times or or run some other stuff we have they have a few different terminals uh, the company that i'm calling this stuff for um, they have the one at home there, they have one up in Massachusetts, one in Dayton, one out in Chicago, down in Florida. Um, so, what happens is, is you know, I run out of the city out to here, and then I haul stuff for the Dayton terminal out here and go back home with it, which works out kind of good because most of the stuff with tanks is rated round trip because there's not always the option to reload something back because it happened to wash out. And, and even certain food grade products, you, even if you get it washed, you can't haul after having. You know other things on depending on what it is because of allergens and stuff like that so um you know when when i was just kind of running whatever was was there to do there was weeks where i had more empty miles than i did loaded miles you know um right now I have more loaded than empty because I come out to Columbus and I bounce to Dayton and I load something to go home or whatever else. So it works out good for me because I'm making you know making out pretty well doing it when everything's paying. Even if it's a mediocre round trip, it's still a round trip and you're loaded both ways instead of empty one way.
1: So what's 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 your income at the end of the year look like? If if you don't mind sharing that <coughs> just, uh, after your expenses and everything, um, that is
2: a loaded question. I don't mind sharing at all. I just honestly don't have the proper answer for you yet at this point in this year because this would 2018 would have been the first full Full year year that I did it um I'd been pulling for him for longer than that but it was always you know the fill in at the end of the week type thing as far as doing it full time it wasn't until mid 2017 that I did it all the time uh early early 2017 I guess I should say but not enough to really get a good good year on it but um I would say you Know if you look at the tax return after everything is written off and stuff like that, you know, you're looking at 70 ish a year, yeah. which you know is always lower because you can add depreciation for truck payments and stuff back into yep. it. Yep. But, yep. Um, I, I can't really complain, it's been I don't have to play the spot market on the load boards yeah. like I used to with my reefer and stuff like that. So it's, it's definitely,
1: definitely a step is a step up from what you were doing before.
2: Um, I did really well with my reefer, I can't okay. complain about that, but what that kept me away from is the run that I did with that and stuff, you were always leaving on a Sunday. And with the boys and me racing motocross, I wanted my weekends. And doing this, I can, I don't Get want to say, weekend. tell them when I want to work. But even before I was on this kind of run that i have been doing this round Ohio and back, um, you know, I just say, hey, I need to be done by such and such a time on Friday and I can't leave till Monday morning or whatever. And I'm like, okay, no problem. I mean, you know, I don't run under their authority, so it's not like I'm costing them insurance or anything like that. So if I tell them I don't want to work, then they don't really say anything about it. Right.
1: What kind of tanks are these? Um, are they are they different than your, um, like a milk tank, or is it just kind of like uh, the same it's, kind it's, of tank, or what? It's
2: pretty similar to a milk tank. A lot of milk tanks will be split into two compartments, where this is a, really? a you know, single-bore oh, smooth smoothbore. Single yeah. Okay. Um, but it's still you know a stainless wrapped insulated tanker um, a lot of stuff we haul is hot uh, you know the sugars and everything can be up you know 120 degrees something like that chocolate has to stay hot now this trailer don't have it um, but the trailers that we haul chocolate and cocoa butters and certain oils and stuff in they have to stay warm so if you look on my pogo stick back here I actually will have what looks like an extra set of straight airlines but they're actually water lines it circulates the antifreeze out of the motor through the trailer and back to keep it heated um, Got to watch it. If you haul white chocolate, you turn them off when you're sitting still. Otherwise, you'll burn it. <laughs> really? But when you're going down the road with it sloshing and stuff, it keeps it from getting burnt, but keeps it heated. So, wow. um, you know, and it depends on what mixture of white chocolate it is. There's so much, so much that you'd learn do or learn doing this food grade stuff on. Everything is. There's so many different types of sugars and different types of corn syrups. So. Yeah, it's like
1: the. It's, you're you're pretty. you're pretty intimately involved with the product, you know. Yeah. Like in a way that you're sort of not. It's almost like hauling uh, livestock. Uh,
2: it is in a way. I
1: mean, you go places,
2: and um, it's kind of ironic because you could haul the exact same product to this place and the exact same product to this place over here, and both their protocols for what you got to do to unload it or handle it or whatever. Completely different ends of the spectrum. (laughs) One is anal retentive on how you need to be wearing hair nets, beard nets, the whole nine yards. You can't get up on top of your trailer. You got to do this, you got to do that. The hose can't touch the ground and the next place they sign your paperwork and you never see them again. You're done, you cap the thing off and you're out, you know. Um, But uh, it is, you get to know the products pretty well. They all react differently when you're pumping them off. If you got to use the pump on the trailer to unload. You know like the place in Columbus I go, Coca-Cola, we back the trailer in a building, I unhook and pull out that's the extent of my involvement Um, then you go to pepsi and chevrolet down there in dc and you pull in you walk into the you walk into the building where their control room is or their lab you grab a freaking thing you walk out you go up top you get a sample you walk back through the building with it and give it to them then you hook your hoses up and they tell you you're okay to go once they test it Unload and they sign your paperwork and when you're done you cap their stuff off and leave and never see them again.
1: So when you're doing your rates with the with this company, is it I means
2: it's
1: like any other rates, like kind of an all-in thing. You just tell them uh, you, you give them a, you're taking a percentage off of. It.
2: Fortunately, the way it's set up with them is is they have the rates kind of set on what they rate. And then they take a certain percentage out because of the trailers and they pay for all the washouts and stuff like that. I don't have to worry about any of that kind of stuff. Um, but there's always a fuel surcharge and a toll charge if there's tolls and stuff like that. And, and they, they rate things pretty fair. And a lot of times when they're working on rates or they get a new customer, they'll come to like me or a couple of the other guys like myself that pull for them and ask us, Hey, you know, what do you think about this or whatever? Um, so we have... I like to say we have an input on what work, they, yeah. you know, it's like a,
1: a fair system. I know a lot about the truck. Uh, remind me of this in 1999. Yep. He um, built uh, what is it? Yeah, 362. Yeah, forgive me, man. There's not a lot of these left. I don't <laughs> no. see a lot of no. these. No, <laughs> no, there's not. Is this the last year they made these? 2004 was the Okay, last year 2004. You
2: could actually get one titled as an 05, but I think 04 was the last year they made. It's wow. titled as an 05.
1: Oh. What is the What is the power in this
2: thing? 12.7 uh, 500 Detroit. Okay. So the series 60, I
1: guess. Yeah. Yep. 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 Cool. Is it? Uh, How many miles are on the on the, the odometer? This um. Place?
2: Exact. I'm not sure, because the guy that had it before me replaced the speedometer before I got it. Okay. Um, he told me he replaced it at just over a million. It had okay. tr- just turned over a million, um, and this one on here has 159,000 on the odometer. So okay. it's. I'm thinking it's right around 1.2 million on the truck. Okay. Yeah, the motor that's in this is actually a reman motor Okay. Um, that, when I bought the truck, only had 10,000 miles on it. Okay. Um, so it's, and that was, the other one ran until it quit, and then he put this one in. So, well, Detroit's are usually pretty good on longevity if they're taken care of.
1: As I think I said before, watch out for uh, May issue coverage for more from Landis. Back in the truck show lot, I found another tank puller, Ohio-based owner-operator J.D. Howard and his recently restored and showworthy 1996 Kenworth W-9, rebuilt to look more like a 1970s A-model Kenworth. He ran through some of the basics of his operation, uh, hauling liquid bulk asphalt, and a lot of the details about the truck and all the work he's put into it since purchase used some years back.
3: Uh, JD Howard. I'm from Worcester, Ohio. I uh, work for a guy out of Marshallville, uh, Dan Ratta, Ratta Trucking. Uh, we haul liquid asphalt, uh, tanker, it's a pretty lucrative job and works out pretty nice. It's a 95 Kenworth W900L. Okay. Two years ago, we over, the motor got bad and we had to overhaul it, so we went ahead and did that then. and okay. We had it all apart and got everything all painted up. It looked pretty nice when we first got it done, but now it's got, got it, you know, a couple of years, a little bit of use on it, so it's kind of tarnished that a little bit. It's but, the
1: original uh, motor, right? Can yeah. Yeah, it? yeah. Yes, sir.
3: It was, I guess, a million and a half miles on it overall. We got, the original owner got it hot about 600,000. They overhauled it, and then I overhauled it about 750 more. Okay. So it's got about 120 on it now or so. Uh, so after that, you know, we've just kind of, rear ends, we've replaced both of those as far as the center sections. Then we just uh, took the old sleeper off. It had a 74-inch stand-up uh, studio sleeper on it. And it was just getting kind of old and it just, things didn't work in it and so on and just, and it wasn't the look I wanted. So we took it off and uh, I talked to these guys at ICT at the time and uh, went ahead and get hooked up with one of their 66-inch retro flat tops. Yeah. I said, well, that's the kind of look I want to go for. It's so, got
1: the scallops in the bag. Looks like a double-equal sleeper.
3: And uh, just the flat-top look, you know. So and I always like the old A-models, and uh, Jones Performance has come out with their A-model-style hood yeah. for the W900L, and, uh, and just they look pretty cool. So uh, she's got the original like uh, A-model, a the round headlight look yeah. and so on, and just the way the drop is. know where the headlights are and everything just got that cool look to it and uh, of course jones has got a little bit better style lighting i mean they're not really that bright they're not led or nothing but they're just a halogen just a clear lens look pretty cool uh got the fenders dropped down a little further we shaved a little bit off of that just for a little more tire clearance and uh we just did just simple lighting on the truck you know just Three lights in front of the air cleaner, a couple on the bottom of the bumper for turn signals and marker light. And just went with a simple, you know, regular five on the top of the cab. Uh, had all the mirror arms polished and everything at uh, Grafton Custom Chrome. They did a lot of stuff for me. Over there, they polished the air cleaners. They did that. Grafton, Grafton Ohio. Ohio yeah. Yes. Yes, they're good people up there. Uh, had the fuel tanks painted to match the truck and everything and then put some other auxiliary steps behind the tanks. Uh, tell Talladega fiberglass rear fenders, and Lincoln Chrome on the on the exhaust. Cool. Last year we had the frame all sandblasted uh, from front to rear. So, and plus it, you know, it was able to check to make sure there wasn't any cracks anywhere and everything's in very good shape. Right. Now they did a little body work on the frame back at the back, they put this uh, Primer on it, almost. It's what they use on bridge pillars when they put them in water. Pretty rough stuff. It almost looks like bedliner when they were done, but then they sanded all that stuff down. And it looked pretty good back there. But it's supposed to be pretty durable stuff, so we'll see how long it lasts. Fifth wheel assembly is all new. Everything's all everything's new. I mean, new airbags, new shocks. I mean, we just well, we did it. We tried to do everything
1: right. And uh, boy, is it something to look at. If you haven't seen it from my Channel 19 blog post a few weeks back, catch a video collection of stills and more via OverdriveOnline.com. Search JD Howard. What Howard didn't get into in the talk here is an appropriate shout out to Todd, Rodney and crew at Snyder Brothers of Millersburg, Ohio for the mechanical work on what was more or less a top to bottom restoration of the 1996 Kenworth. Like I said earlier, catch more about Howard's asphalt hauling operation, Landis's bulk food-grade tank too in the May edition of Overdrive. Until next time, stay pro out there.